Hebrew lesson today is Exodus 20, beginning at verse 1 and selected verses. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you, so that you do not sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If I had to summarize this year, it would be trust and obey. We've likely had more time to think than usual, more time to name our addictions and our growing edges, more time to consider what's most important in life, more time. The Exodus journey recorded in the book of Exodus and the book of Deuteronomy is focused largely on trusting and obeying God. I like reading today's Exodus passage from the last verse up to the first verse of chapter 20. The last verse is the trust and obey home run with timely language, universal language. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. God desires a relationship with us in which we have respect and reverence for God and for one another. Jesus, while on earth, would repeat God's desire, love God and neighbor as yourself. If we know where the chapter is going, we can look back and see how the traveling Israelites came to do not fear and revere God and serve your neighbor They got there by receiving the Ten Commandments. It was at the foot of Mount Sinai when God told all of Israel what God expected from them. God told not only the religious elite, but the whole people, do this, but don't do this. The commandments, literally the word, the words of God, are just that, commandments. They aren't maybes or if you feel like it or if today is your day. They are commandments that set God's moral code for us. 
They are the first part of the law, which you probably know goes on for some 667 laws. They are as relevant today as 13 years before Christ when Moses brought them down from Mount Sinai. According to EnduringWord.com, the law of God has three great purposes and uses. And I look at these as a triangle. One side of the triangle is the guardrail to keep us on the right moral path. The second triangle edge is a mirror showing us our moral failure and our need for a savior. You might see it as reflecting the light on how we should live. And the third triangle edge is a guide showing us the heart and the desire of God for all people. So we have a guardrail, a mirror, and a guide. I like to call it G squared M, guardrail, mirror, guide. The first four commandments focus on our conduct toward God and the next six focus on our conduct to one another. The first four deal with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The next commandment deals with idolatry. You shall not make for yourself an idol. However that looks, something from the earth, something from heaven, or something from the water under the earth, no idols. And then we get the next six, which are about how we treat one another. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness against your neighbor. And finally, the one nobody can forget. You shall not covet. Your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, male or female slave, ox, donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. As I've said before, we can trace the sin of greed to most of our missteps. God is moral and expects us to be moral too. Trust and obey. We may trust and obey when we are afraid, but true obedience is born out of love, not fear. 1 John chapter 4 assures us, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. We love because God first loved us, but we don't live or love perfectly ever. So don't make that your measuring stick. We will not be perfect on this side of the daisies, as our friend Meg says. After the people said they would sin no more, what was the first thing they did? Within 40 days, they had built the golden calf and danced around it, demonstrating idolatry and immorality. 
The Ten Commandments teach us how we are to respect God and respect our neighbor, how we are to treat God and how we are to treat each other. They are about honoring God and preserving peace. Now, when God speaks, the people are afraid. They seem to hide from God. And they ask from now on for only Moses to speak instead of God. That's how afraid they are. Well, there's lightning and there's thunder and there's cosmic stuff going on and they are afraid. This is a common response in scripture when people come into the presence of God or the Shekinah, the Hebrew word for the presence of God. When they come into the Shekinah, they are sometimes afraid and want to hide. Isaiah, for instance, felt undone before God in the presence of God. And later in Revelation, John fell as a dead man before the Lord. The people felt vulnerable when God spoke. Coming into God's presence, the Shekinah took confidence and humility. Moses was God's mediator, and Jesus Christ, fully divine and fully human, is ours. That's comforting, I believe, that Christ is God, is our mediator. God is moral and expects us to be moral also. Trust and obey. God is the potter. We are the clay. And we too make promises in return to the covenant God has made with us. What commandments or words do you live by? What's your measuring stick? What's most important, my friends, is that whatever our measuring stick is, it includes God. It's essential that we have God at the center of our lives, no matter what else may befall us. COVID-19, race wars, the economy being poor. Whatever befalls us, God must dwell abide in the very center of our lives and we must be tapping into such gift. Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, came to be the center of our lives to make sure that God was at the center of our lives. God isn't content to be last place. God isn't content to be the side act, to be tapped in when we are only desperate. God desires and in fact created us to be followers of the word, to trust and obey Do what I ask and don't do what I've cautioned you about. It will make life much easier for you. In these times, we may be tempted to live by our own moral code and admit God from it altogether. 
I saw a woman in the park recently, and she had lost her husband just this year at the end of February. And she started crying, and I told her how sorry I was. And had she been to the website faithandgrief.org, and she said, I'm not a person of faith, and I don't believe in that, and I don't like church, and I have been hurt by the church before with platitudes, people who say the nice things that don't help me, and they don't bring my husband back, and I don't want to hear it. What is your moral code, and is God in it or missing from it? In the late 80s, Ted Turner, founder of Turner Broadcasting, wrote his own 10 voluntary initiatives. And here are a few. I promise to love and respect earth and living things, especially humankind. I promise to treat all persons with dignity, respect, and friendliness. I support eliminating all nuclear, chemical, and biological weapons of mass destruction. Those are a few out of 10. And there's nothing wrong with Turner's voluntary initiatives, but they might feel empty with no mention of reverence for God by whom all things were made. They don't as much as give a nod toward the creator. I have a hard time imagining trying by my own strength to live a moral life. How empty that sounds and feels. Life without God, who is my fortress and my tower, my hope when life disappoints and grief threatens to take over and consume and stop me in my tracks. And this is before I was a pastor. All the way through my life, I needed God as much as I needed my cat. I used to tell my cat all my troubles. She was a good listener. God is a good listener. God is a great listener. It might be a good practice to write out 10 or however many commandments you are committed to follow. I think I'm going to try it. But those commandments mustn't replace God's 10 commandments. And in my belief, shouldn't be without God. A commandment without God or a to-do list without God is vacant. And it could be useless. Can you imagine trying to live without grace, hope, salvation, Holy Communion, the sacrament of baptism, and all the good things God provides? I can't. We need God to be our guardrail, our mirror, and our guide. Trust and obey. There's really no other way. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.